go. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come aside, come aside. This is me, Mike. And that is you. All right. What are we doing today? Green Hornet. <laughs> I watched this a couple nights ago, and like, I think I watched it Sunday. I watched it Sunday, and then I'm like flipping through on Monday, and I'm like, what fucking movie did I just watch? This is sponsored by Carl's Jr. Yeah. <laughs> remember those commercials? <laughs> they marketed the fuck out of that movie, dude. They sure did. All I right. I remember. It doesn't matter. So. Britt Reed is the playboy son of James Reed, publisher of the Los Angeles Daily Sentinel. Um, they have an estranged relationship, and during the opening montage of the film, James is found dead from an allergic reaction to a bee sting. After the funeral, Britt decides to fire the staff, except for the maid, um, and later decides to rehire Cato, James's mechanic and uh, assistant, if you want to call him that. Uh, Britt and Cato, uh, one night, decide to get drunk together, <laughs> um, <laughs> reflecting on, you know, how James is a fucking piece of garbage. And upon hearing agreeing that they both hated um, Britt's dad, they decide to visit the graveyard where James' memorial statue is located and cut the head off of the statue. Um, very uh, Simpson-esque. Yeah. Uh, after they succeed, they rescue a nearby couple that's being mugged. Uh, but even then, I mean, that's that's not correct. So they cut off the head, and they're standing there, and they see a couple that's being mugged by some some guys. And Britt basically gets his ass kicked. You know, he does some damage or whatever, but Cato kicks everybody's ass. You know? Yeah, in he's slow motion. This, he's got this, yeah, he's like, everything just slows down and goes into bullet time. So uh, the police mistake Britt and Cato themselves for the criminals. Cato evades them in a car chase as he and Britt return to the mansion. Um, as they're back at the mansion, Britt comes up with a great idea that him and Cato should become crime fighters posing as criminals. Um, Cato asks why, and he says that because it's such a rush doing all that stuff, and he was so excited, you know, he was, you were kicking ass, and I'm kicking ass, and everybody's kicking ass, yeah. you know, and of course, you know, Britt's got a fucking ego, so he thinks he's better than everybody, right? Yep. So uh, Cato decides that this would be a great idea. So he develops a car outfitted with several gadgets and weapons, which they call the Black Beauty. Uh, Britt plans to capture Benjamin Chudnovsky, a Russian mobster, uniting the crime families of Los Angeles under his command, and whom his father was trying to expose. To get Chudnovsky's attention, Britt uses the Daily Sentinel as a vehicle to publish articles about a high-profile criminal he calls the Green Hornet. Britt hires Lenore Case as his assistant and researcher and uses her unwitting advice to raise the Green Hornet's profile. Britt and Cato blow up several Chudnovsky's meth labs, leaving calling cards so Chudnovsky can contact them. Throughout all this, the Daily Sentinel's managing editor, Mike Axford, fears this single-minded coverage will endanger Britt's life, and District Attorney Frank Scanlon frets over public perception that he cannot stop the Green Hornet. During all this, Britt asks Lenore out, but she rebuffs him and instead invites Cato to dinner, making Britt jealous. Cato learns from her that mobsters often offer a peace summit to rivals in order to get close enough to kill them, which absolutely makes no sense when you're looking at that. Britt then tells Cato that Chudnovsky has offered them such a meeting. Cato tries dissuading him, but Britt feels overshadowed and follows his instincts. This nearly proves fatal when Chudnovsky tries to kill them. Barely es- escaping to the mansion, Britt and Cato argue and fight. Britt fires both Cato and Lenore, who he believes are in a relationship. Cato receives an email from Chudnovsky on the Hornet's calling card email address, offering $1 million and half of Los Angeles to the Hornet. You, I, what is it? You keep the L, I keep the A. Split it right down the middle. Or you, I keep the L, you keep the A. Yeah. I couldn't remember. 
Um, if he kills Brit. Meanwhile, Brit discovers that Scanlan is corrupt and that he tried to bribe James into downplaying the Cindy's crime level to help his career. Chudnovsky, meanwhile, suffers a midlife crisis and reinvents himself as a supervillain Bloodnovsky. Scanlan invites Brit to meet in a restaurant where he reveals his, uh, the, that he murdered Brit's father. Chudnovsky arrives with his men to kill Brit. But Cato saves Brit and they escape. At the Daily Sentinel, Brit intends to upload a recording of Scanlon's con- confession onto the web, which he belatedly discovers he did not manage to record. Chudnovsky and his men who follow the duo there engage them in a firefight, wounding Brit. Cato ultimately stabs Chudnovsky in the eyes with wood <laughs> in self-defense, <laughs> and Brit guns him down. A SWAT team uh, appears and fires the Green Hornet, who uses the remains of their nearly demolished Black Beauty to run Scanlon out the 10th floor window, killing him. The Hornet and Cato flee to Lenore's house, and she helps them hide from the police. The next morning, Britt promotes Axford to chief editor and stages uh, being shot in the shoulder by Cato, further establishing the Green Hornet as a threat and allowing Britt to get treated by professionals in a hospital. Later, the two wheel James' stolen head back, wheeled, weld, wheeled his head back onto him. <laughs> now with Lenore to aid them, Britt and Cato vow to continue protecting the law by breaking it. Um... Most of this, look, this movie is actually not bad. It's got some good moments. It's just parts that feel really artificial. Yeah, like the whole Ch- um, the the whole Chudnovsky turning into uh, Bloodnovsky, you know, th- weak. Yeah, I like was... the part with the uh, Franco though, where he's all because he couldn't pronounce his name right. Right, <laughs> Chernovsky, Chernobyl. <laughs> yeah, it's just. Like his quote is, "I am Bloodnovsky. I killed a thousand before, and I'll kill a thousand more, and I'll tremble before your death. For be it my mask or your blood, red, red will be the last color you ever see." And um, I don't know if he was. I, like I have to give you some information on where Bloodnovsky came. Um, of course, I got. There's probably people listening to this that are Green Hornet fans. <sighs> you know, there it is. Benjamin Chudnovsky in the comic. He changes. It would be so nice do, 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 if I could get some of it. Would have been funny if uh, Burt Ward and uh, Adam West had done cameos in the movie. Why? Because <laughs> it's Batman 66. Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to find out. Um, regardless, th- this movie's okay. At the beginning, we have an interesting plot, which is dad dies, and you have this ego that is going to take over the newspaper and. Instead of running with stories that are actually decent, he's he's more focused on his own stuff. You know, he's got an ego, so he wants to feed the ego. Yep. And he's pissing off all the people in in the writers' room, basically, yep. including uh, the 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 head writer guy who was played by Edward James Olmos, where uh, nobody nobody basically wants to work for him. Then you have the the end car chase. You know where it's front wheel drive car, and he's driving all around the office, and yada yada yada. Yeah, look, there's this stinks of studio interference, and Mm -hmm. when we get into the trivia, it will you'll see what I mean by that. But there's a lot of well, there's there he is right there. There there's a lot of weirdness, and like he's got a double barreled fifty caliber handgun, you know, which (laughs) makes no sense. It looks like two Desert Eagles mounted to each other. Yeah, and they actually. You know, they have a like an electronic gizmo on them where <clears throat> they um, they they can split apart. Yeah, you know, to go into different angles and whatnot. Which again, but hey, you it's, know, for, it's for intimidation factor. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's fucking stupid. It's a movie. Yeah, it's a gimmick. But um, 
Christoph Waltz was actually really good in this movie until it got to that stupid part where he starts calling himself Bloodnovsky. Like, there's there's some really good writing in this, and there's some really bad writing in this. Yeah. And, like, the entire second half of the movie is is a mixture of decent writing and bad writing. I don't know. I mean, it's like... The whole Cameron Diaz thing. It's like fucking manic. The whole Cameron Diaz thing is a complete waste of time. Absolutely. There there is no reason for Cameron Diaz to be in this movie other than to be, you know... The potential love interest, right? Yeah, tits and ass. Yeah. And and that's, that's... that's a waste of a good actress or it a is. good actor. You know, it gets to the point where it's just old, where if you're going to have a cameo by someone, you're only throwing them in there just because of their looks. That's a problem. Yeah. But if you're throwing them in there because they're going to add to the fucking movie, okay, I'm fine with that. You know, it's the same thing goes with the, the Tomb Raider franchise. Yeah. And, the, and that's because these problems with these movies is that they don't think that women can hold their own in this is Hollywood. Hollywood obviously believes that women can't hold their own when it comes to action movies. Yeah. Look at Peppermint. Peppermint was okay. You know, it's it's not it's not Terminator, <laughs> but it, it 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 had its moments where you had a strong female character. Yeah. Now, were there? There's. I mean, there's obviously problems with Peppermint, but we'll, we don't need to get into that. We talked about that in the last on the previous podcast. But what I'm saying is, is that in terms of this movie, all the way to now, you know, if you look at the predominant action movies that are out there, how many of them star women? Not very often. Well, let me see. Iron Man three with Gwyneth Paltrow, but she didn't really do anything until the end. Yeah. And by the way, I just found out that Shane Black wanted, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Killian in yeah. Iron Man 3. Richard Dawson? No. Oh. In Iron Man 3. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I got, okay, sorry, my bad. He wanted the female, he wanted it to be a, he wanted that character to be female. Uh-huh. So that's why you got Gwyneth Paltrow getting the powers because he wanted that character to be a, an evil person and she started to turn evil, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's why that happened in the movie, by the way. Hmm. So, um, but this is Green Hornet. Now, um, again, the whole idea behind this, there was, where the fuck do you begin? <laughs> I say that a lot, don't I? It's a mishmash, right? It's, yeah, I mean, it, start, it starts off decently. There's some cool shit in this movie. They, like, like, the gadgets remind me of Men in Black. Yeah, but I mean, even the, it starts off decently, and it's, it, this is a better movie than the Shadow movie, hmm. you know? Eric Barry. When 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 they're at the graveyard and they get into that fight with the you know when the couple's being mugged yep. and they're kicking everybody's ass or they get into when they find out that uh, Chudnovsky is the guy that they're going after yeah and then the first and and basically the first scene where they find out and they go down they go down the road you know so you know we must be in the ghetto or whatever they say I think we're in the hood now Kato. yeah we're in the hood now. And they and they drive right through. Uh, was it Edward Furlong? Edward Furlong's yeah. meth lab, right? Yeah. They drive right into it, and then they start beating the shit out of everybody. He's like, you know, where is Chutnovsky? Or who do you, they're they're doing that the whole um, investigation thing? Who do you work for? Yeah, they're doing their Batman shit. Yeah, and and where is he? I'm not going to tell you anything. And then they 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 flip him over onto the car, and there's you know the guns are on the car, and then he just gives everything away, and then they attack. You know. The meth lab, and then they they just continue on, right? Yeah. And 
I liked how they did certain scenes where it shows like the meth, all the labs catching on fire. Yep. You know, so it shows shows their progress through the city of what they're destroying, mm. and then of course a bunch of other things. You have David Harbour in here who plays the the district attorney Frank Scanlon, and Harbour is fucking fantastic in this movie. Yeah. And he's also being you know he's basically being paid by Chudnovsky. And he's strong arming. He was. And he turns out he was strong arming James Reed to not print all of these, you know, all this information. And and he's um, using that by saying basically, if you don't do this, you know, then we'll let you continue to print your news, but you keep our shit out of the news, yeah. or or bad things are going to happen, right? So so James has to figure out how to how to um, ride that fine line yeah. right there. And finally he just gets tired of it. And we, and then we find out that Scanlon kills um, Britt's dad yeah. with, you know, cause he goes into anaphylactic shock with, with bee poison basically. You know what makes this movie go to shit? Cameron Diaz. When she yeah. shows up in the movie, it fucking, okay. The dynamic between um, Rogan and the guy who plays Cato, mm-hmm. They worked really well together. They, you know, they you could see, you know, it was cool buddy thing, right? Then all of a sudden, Cameron Diaz shows up, and it they start bickering at each other, and and it, it threw the whole dynamic off. No, Cameron Diaz didn't ruin this movie. Her character, no, no, because she wasn't in a whole lot of scenes. I mean, her job was to answer phones and do research, so she had no effect on. On the entire outcome of the movie, anyways. Well, there was with uh, when you know when him and Cato started competing for her affections. It, it just it was a waste of time. It was just right. But again, I mean, that's that in and of itself is bad writing. Yeah, and then I think that that that's what started their characters going downhill. But it's and it, then by the end, of the end of the movie, it's like mm. no, it's not Cameron Diaz's character. It's bad writing. Well, yeah, of course it's bad writing. You know, you can't blame her for for. Everything up until when she arrives and he wants to use her as his information getter. Yeah, and and she's being used properly in that terms. But again, it's a waste of a waste of a character first and foremost. Because again, like I said before, was all all they're interested in is having a pair of tits and ass in there. Yeah, and nothing more. You know, you could have you could have um, you could have used somebody else. You could have used a guy in that. It seemed in that like role. she was a smarter version of her character from The Mask. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And you know, I I, I agree that the the movie started to go downhill when they started fighting each other over her. You know, and him getting you know angry. And I can understand the, the, that. I can. I mean, the jealousy thing. Yeah. And that should have played out, but it should have played out differently. Yeah. And then and then the Chudnovsky Bloodnovsky thing. <laughs> And you know it. Yeah. Uh, again, killing killing his henchmen just for the fuck of it. Look in this in this scene is in this movie. Hold on. Bless you, son. In this sense, where he's killing his, he's an over the top criminal yeah. mastermind. I I'm fine with him just randomly, you know, you know, taking out his guys. Because yeah. that's the character. That's his character. It's his post-Oscar win goofy role. Right. And then, you know, he's like, when they're talking about how all the uh, all the drug producers, you know, are, are rebelling against them, the Russians, the Koreans, and he's like, the Koreans? Like, who? And, and then they mention a name, and he's like, oh, but we've known each other for 20 years. Yeah. I'm going to have to kill him. 
<laughs> but I, I think I should do it myself because it's respect. It's respect. Yeah, it is. I uh, we know each other. You yeah. know, he would expect that. I can't just have somebody just you know go out there and take him out. That <laughs> would be disrespecting him. Yeah, it, professional it, courtesy. Yeah, <laughs> and and that whole and in fact, I think that's what he said was it's just professional courtesy. Yeah, and I mean the way that Christoph Waltz works as his characters and stuff like that. I don't care how bad of a movie it is. He's fucking fun to watch. Yeah. He is so good at anything that he does, even in um, Horrible Bosses 2. Yeah. You know, and, and that was a throwaway role. But in this movie, this is a real throwaway role because the, the character is written so awful that he just has fun with yeah, it. That, yeah, he got to have fun with it. That's what I'm going to say. And that's, and that's the whole problem with this movie is that all the bad guys are just a waste. The final battle's a waste, you know, when they're running through the Daily Sentinel just to trash fucking CAA. In fact, that's where it was filmed at, in Los Angeles. But, I mean, this movie could have been... I I really wished if they did a Green Hornet movie, they would have set it in the appropriate era. Mm-hmm. And then they could actually move it forward with other people taking on the Green Hornet and New personalities and stuff like that. Um, like the father was the Green Hornet or something originally or something. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, a mentor or, or whoever. It really doesn't matter. Um, or, you know, father's best friend. Yeah, you could do like, like a flashback sequence where you had like a, a Bruce Lee lookalike and, and, yeah. and the father younger. Or, or you could just do a fucking movie where it's just set in the era of the original Green Hornet instead of doing stupid flashbacks. I, I hate flashbacks that do shit. Like, I fucking can't stand it. If you're going to do that, just make the movie and then move the f- and then do it for every generation mm. moving forward so you can have you can do multiple sequels and multiple movies but based in different eras. Yeah. So that way you can see how you can see different things and and that's 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 I think the failure for a lot of these movies, these these superhero movies is that they don't take into effect that if you're going to do these movies you need to have you, you need to you need to establish a base, and this is not establishing a base. This is just doing a movie to throw it out there to get in with because this is what 2011. Yeah, you know, this be is, right at the beginning, I believe it came on January or February of that year. Yeah, January. Um, but this is this is jumping right into that superhero thing, you know, where it, they're going to they're trying to take advantage. It's Columbia Pictures trying to take advantage of. You know the Marvel thing that's just starting up, and and Columbia sees Columbia sees the big picture. No pun intended. You know where Marvel they're, they're like Marvel's doing something, and we better fucking follow suit because yeah. if we don't, you know we're gonna be left behind. And then they never followed up with it. This movie made two hundred twenty-seven million dollars at the box office, plus whatever on VOD on on demand stuff. Yeah. Uh, I never see it anywhere. Yeah, and, and it was on it was on IFC. Okay. It's been on IFC all week. It's never on fucking FX or anything. I, I never see it. Yeah, it's on IFC. I just said to you. Yeah. It's been on all week. Okay. I, so go watch it on IFC. I own it on DVD. I don't need to fucking watch it on well, IFC. there you go. So you don't watch <laughs> it anyways. I bought it on DVD right when it came yeah. out. So it doesn't even matter if it's on fucking TV or not. You have it on DVD. And I saw it at the drive-in. Yeah. But it made, you know... And it, then I went to Carl's Jr. It doubled its budget and uh, it... it there, there should be more, but I think that in terms of a reboot, this re- this movie needs a reboot. It desperately needs a reboot, yeah. And it desperately needs to be set in its original era, you know, and be more noirish and go from there, yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, it is it's a fun movie to watch, 
Uh, just don't hold your breath too much because first half outweighs the second half. Yeah, the it, you are definitely right about that. Runs out of steam big time. Yeah, so uh, critical response is 43, 39 out of 100. Uh, called it an anemic 97-pound weakling of action comedy persuasion, a boring bromedy that features a hero who has no idea what he's doing uh, with mumblecore heroics instead of the real thing. Um, yeah, pretty much. I give it, I'll give it a 50%. You know, it's fun to watch mm-hmm. when it's on, but it's, uh, it's, wasted it, effort. it's a wasted effort. So what do we have? What do you got? So um, Seth Rogen proclaimed the film was a nightmare, chalking it up to studio executives paying little attention to the most expensive portions of the film and its inflated budget. <laughs> this would have been great, though. Nicholas Cage was supposed to play Chudnovsky, but he dropped out. Dropped out. Yeah. Uh, he intended to play the role with a Jamaican accent, <laughs> much to director Michael Gondry's dismay. That's fucking hilarious. I, God, I wish you could see that. Uh, uh, after the rights to the Green Hornet property were purchased by Miramax, Kevin Smith was attached to write and direct the film. Hmm. With Jake Gyllenhaal in the lead, the story had Britt Reed, the Green Hornet, and Cato as old men in retirement, with Britt Reed Jr., a.k.a. Green Hornet 2, and Cato's daughter donning their father's mask to combat a new evil. Smith pulled out of directing due to an insecurity of directing with such a large budget. He stayed on as writer and wrote two drafts, but with no further progress with the script, the rights were let go and purchased by Columbia Pictures. Uh, Seth Rogen, there you go, Kevin Smith, pro, uh, Kevin Smith connection. Yep. Uh, became attached to star and write a completely different screenplay. Smith's screenplay was adapted into a comic book called Green Hornet: Sins of the Father, published by Dynamite before the movie's release. <laughs> he also did Batman '66. Yep. Um, and there's a, f- I think there's a sequel to that too, but I can't remember. Seth Rogen shed 30 pounds to play the title. Yeah, he was thin for that movie. And one of the drawings in Cato's sketchbook is Bruce Lee, who played Cato in the Green Hornet uh, TV series. When Britt and Cato were watching themselves on the news, running away from vandalizing the statue, Cato does not see himself on screen. He reasons that he is too fast for the camera, uh, which is a take on Bruce Lee, who played Cato in the Green Hornet. Uh, the 1966 version, uh, when they filmed his fight scenes at a faster rate, they had to film his fight scenes at a faster rate because he was too fast for the camera, which is f- fucking funny. Hmm. Uh, 29 copies of The Black Beauty were made from scrounged 64, 65, and 66 Chrysler Imperials, uh, many of them which were rusted out and had to be rebuilt. Only three survived production. Um, in the scene where The Black Beauty is first revealed, a 39 Lincoln Zephyr is under the tarp. This is a reference to the original Black Beauty from the Green Hornet in 1940, which was a black 39 Lincoln Zephyr that could go 200 miles per hour and outrun any car chasing it. God damn. (coughs) This is my favorite. A poster for the Lone Ranger can be seen in Britt Reed's room. In the original radio program, Reed was the Lone Ranger's grandnephew. His father rode with the Lone Ranger on some of his adventures, and they shared the family name of Reed. Both radio programs were created by George Trendle and Fran Stryker. So the Green Hornet is related to the Lone Ranger. Huh. And what would have Kato been... Cato and Tonto. Yep. So you see where it's going with that. Uh-huh. Uh, Jet Li had a pay-to-play deal for the role of Cato back when the Weinsteins had the rights. <coughs> uh, the reference to Twilight is changed in international versions mm-hmm. of the film so that the reference makes sense in context. For example, in France, the characters reference Sunset Boulevard instead. Uh, when Britt Reed and Cato first go to vandalize the statue, their disguises closely resemble the costumes of the early incarnations of the Green Hornet and Cato. 
uh, from the film series of the 1940s, The Green Hornet and The Green Hornet Strikes Again. Clooney was cast as Britt Reed in the mid-90s, but dropped out to star in The Peacemaker. <laughs> I have that on DVD as well. I wonder if that would have been good if Clooney had done, if they had gone through with The Green Hornet with Clooney instead. Yeah. Michael Gondry was initially set to direct the film for Universal uh, for what was to be his directorial debut. The script was written by Edward Neumeyer and featured a villain who ate human hearts. Gondry initially wanted Vince Vaughn for the lead, but the parts of Britt and Cato were offered to Mark Wahlberg and Jason Scott Lee. <laughs> I need to be a peacock. Oh my God, gotta let me fly. Gotta let me fly. Jay Chow got the role of Cato after a video conference. Talk with about Seth another Rogen fucking movie that starts up. off good and ends weak. The, good, the, the other guys. Sorry. He was invited to do a screen test. Jay Chow was invited to do a screen test. The filmmaker didn't know he was a f- famous singer until up until the last moments. I don't know what that means. The film's release day was originally the day that an adaptation of another Emerald superhero was to be released, Green Lantern. <laughs> Eddie Murphy wanted to play Britt Reed back in 1992. <coughs> I don't, I don't, would that have worked? If well, they had done like Beverly Hills Cop, I think. Well, back in 92, comic book adaptations weren't taken very seriously for the most part. I mean, s- there's still plenty now that aren't taken seriously enough, but there, it's still respected a lot more now than it, than it, than it was. Would that have worked? I... No. If they had done a Beverly Hills Cop style? <laughs> no, I, would, I keep getting the vibe that he would seem very... Um, uh, what's the alter ego for Sherman Clump? I can't remember, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Buddy. Buddy Love. He'd be, I think he, he would play the role very Buddy Lovish. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so Stephen Chow was set to direct and co-star as Cato. Creative differences prevented him from doing so. Although for a while it still seemed he was set to play Cato and Michael Gondry became attached. Seth Rogen stated the reason for Chow's departure was that the director wanted Cato to implant Brit with a microchip and control him with a joystick, something Rogen wasn't keen on, which that would have just made the movie fucking stupid. Uh, Cato says he's from Shanghai, to which Brit replies that he loves Japan. Cato was originally Japanese in the radio series from 36 until 39, Due to world events, the character's nationality was changed briefly to South Korean before settling on Filipino for nearly all of the 40s. In the 1960s, Bruce Lee's definitive portrayal fixed the public perception of Cato as Chinese for the Green Hornet, although subsequent versions in other media such as comic books have sometimes reverted to the original Japanese origin. (coughs) Uh, The Green Hornet was originally a radio show, first broadcast in 1936 and running to 1952. Although there were two serials, uh, The Green Hornet with 13 chapters and The Green Hornet Strikes Again with 15 chapters, the last six chapters of the first one re-edited into a 100-minute feature, and several episodes of The Green Hornet, uh, 1966, were edited together into a pair of 90-minute films. This is the first original feature-length Hollywood treatment of the hero. Uh, the exterior of the Daily Sentinel is the creative artist agency building in Century City. This is one of my favorites. Uh, the Canadian metal band Anvil hmm. is playing on the TV in Crystal Clear's Hangout. Van Williams, uh, who played the, the Hornet in the 60s TV series, was courted for a cameo but not interested. Uh, Kevin Smith jokingly said he wanted to cast Ben Affleck as both the Green Hornet and Cato, making use of split-screen shots in Yellowface. Britt Reed, Brit Reed's trick of having Cato shoot him in front of witnesses so he can explain where his wounds came from is from the Hornet bad bet on a, on a 459 si- silent. 
bad bet on a 459 silent from 1960. In the television series, District Attorney Frank Scanlon knows Britt Reed's secret identity and is alive. In this film, he finds out Reed's secret identity and is killed by the Green Hornet and Cato when the Black Beauty hits him and drives through a window, crashing to the ground far, far below. Yeah. Do you think that there's um, something about Ben Affleck that um, that Kevin Smith hasn't talked about, like more than just the they just you know grew apart over time? Instead, it was like maybe something more than that, like a like I don't know. There's a falling out more than more than just you know Ben just going off to do his own thing, and then they just not kept in contact because Kevin Smith seems like when once he's friends with someone, you're friends for life kind of thing. You know what I mean? I don't. Here, here's your. Oh, here's your answer. So uh, Kevin Smith told the Daily Beast he's heard from people he hadn't heard from in years, but admits he still hasn't heard from Affleck. Asked about being on not so great terms with Batman star in recent years, Kevin Smith said, I wouldn't call it not so great terms, but he hasn't spoken to me. No, I didn't hear from him after the heart attack. <clears throat> Damn. Um, which is fine. Maybe he didn't even hear about it. I think he probably plays a more prominent role in my mythology than I play in his mythology. He was in some of my biggest movies, so my in my world he's still a figure. In his world, I haven't factored in in God knows how fucking long, and he's gone on to do tremendous big things. He's become a massive movie star and a director, so I don't think I pop up on his radar nearly as much as he pops up on mine. Sounds like he's being very humble. Uh, Smith said, uh, let's see. (coughs) Yeah, um, Smith recounts to the Daily Beast how he inadvertently got the Academy Award-winning filmmaker in hot water last summer during a celebration of Chasing Amy, where he told audiences, Affleck once said, a man kissing another man is the greatest acting challenge an actor can ever face. According to Smith, upon finishing a scene where Affleck kisses Jason Lee, Affleck said, now I'm a serious actor. In his eyes, Smith had told what I thought was an adorable story about Ben Affleck. Um, the story resulted in headlines. It made it seem like Affleck's comments were recent and out of context. It's a completely different sentiment. I got It got him into trouble. Um, in 2014, a well-known Batman fan uh, who hosts a YouTube show named Fat Man on Batman um, this is so stupid. He doesn't have the inside scoop on Affleck's ten years of Dark Knight because, according to Smith, Affleck's wife Jennifer Garner doesn't care for him. So there's probably we're not fucking tight. I have not been close with him in decades. That's old Ben. He's got a wife that don't care for me at all. <coughs> Plus, honestly, he probably doesn't. He probably don't care for me at all anymore either. He's a triple A list movie and star and shit like that. If he's Jimmy Carter on Billy Carter to put put it in seventies terms, and I'm not even related and shit. Affleck said in November he's inspired by. Sm- uh, Smith to donate residuals he receives from movies that involve Harvey Weinstein, that ousted, the ousted movie, blah, blah, blah. So um, I don't think they had a falling out. I think that there's when you have friends and you're like, oh, I should probably call him. Yeah. Right? And then you forget and you go on to other things. Like I, I, I do that with – I've got a couple of, of friends right now yeah. that I, I do that with, my buddy Scott, my buddy Nick, and, and, and like – We'll talk. Well, you know, I mean, we, we like Nick's not on Facebook, but my buddy Scott is, and you know, we'll 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 banter back and forth on on the Facebook once in a while. But yeah. <clears throat> it's just we we you have different lives, man. You know, he's married and all that other stuff. Nick's married, got kids. You know, so it's it's difficult to kind of catch up with all that shit. And unless you're working together or doing something together, and where you see each other all the time or next door neighbors, yada yada yada, it's it's difficult at best. So, in fact, uh, Nick's wife, uh, she she texts me once in a while and says, "God damn it, um, you need to talk to each other." Blah, you know, and, and it's really funny. I'm like, uh, you know, it's all good. You know, it's it's all good. We're ta- we are talking because we're 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 talking through 
the you know our proxy, yeah, which is his wife. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and that's that's just the way it is. Yeah. Hey, I um, right. Now. I, I rarely ever talk to to Yo and Nacho anymore, but yet, you know, what was it a week a week ago? I get a text from uh, from Yo out of nowhere. It says, huh? "Hey, you want to come work at Tesla?" <laughs> and I said, "No." I said, "If it's for shuttle driving." Said otherwise, I'm done. It's if it's for detail. No, I'm not detailing another fucking car. I'm done with that. I'm never detailing a car again on the job. <laughs> never. I'm done. And I said, besides my back injury and shit. And he goes, then he pretty much said, well, go fuck yourself. And then I said something back, smart ass. And he said something. And he just ended it with like, he called me a fag or something. <sighs> and then that was it. There was no other, you know. And so then, yeah, I'm fine. And that's fine. Yeah. So if we hang out again, we hang out again. If we don't, we don't. We still had fun when we were work, when we were coworkers. Yeah. So. But, I mean, t- taking the attitude of, you know, uh, this the the sky is falling type of thing, mm. I, I try not to, um, especially when the friends thing um, happens. I, uh, sometimes you're just like, God damn, you know, what happened to everybody? Well, there could be a reason why I have you know, no one's calling on me, you know. If if everyone's the problem, then who's the problem, right? Yeah. And I try not to look at it like, like I don't, you know me, I don't make excuses or or generally point fingers at, you know, I try to look at the whole situation yeah. and and see and see where I made the mistake, not where they made the mistake. Yeah. So, I think my biggest problem is that I always wait for everyone to contact me, invite me to do things, and um I'm cuz I I don't like bothering people. I feel like I'm intruding on people's lives. And so, through my own fault, I stay distant. Yeah. For that you, reason. If you're going to wait you're always gonna wait. Yeah. You need to. Yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. like finding a job. You need to. You need to be persistent. Like, like, like the way I, I keep seeing things is well, if they have time for me, they'll let me know. Right. Otherwise, they're probably too busy for me. So, I know that kind of sounds like a pity me thing, but I don't, I don't, I don't try to think of it like a pity me thing because I'm, I'm, I preoccupy, my, preoccupy myself with other things. But when I think about it, it's just, yeah, I, I know that. Why? Why should I wait for people to make the first move? It should always be if you want to have a relationship with someone, you should make the first move. Right. So, food for thought. Anyways. <laughs> all right. So, uh, is that all we got for the Green Hornet? That is all we got for the Green Hornet. Is there any like cool quip from uh, from the Green Hornet we should end this on? Go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> I think we're in the hood now, Kato. Yeah. I still use that line all the fucking time. Every time I see shoes hanging from a telephone wire, I always say it. And my son even says it all the time, too, my son Kendrick. It's great. So this movie does have... You're living the life. This movie does have a memorable line. Yeah, it does. All right, so... We should include that into this. Oh, well, we'll do that next time. I think we're in the hood now, Kato. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to get into the debate next. There we go. Anyways, all that's right. all we got. All right. Bye. Bye.